So tell me, this change of attitude, was it something you had to work long and hard at, or was it... Spontaneous? Spontaneous. That's one of my favorite things about you. Tell me. Your relentless unpleasantness. Well, some got it, some don't. Welcome to the show, Moonlighting fans. Whether you're a Moonlighting fan from way back when, or whether you are new to Moonlighting and you want to know what all the hype is about, you have come to the right place. Hi, I'm Grace. And I'm Shauna. And we're your hosts for the podcast that is all about Moonlighting. When we talk about Moonlighting, we're talking about the Emmy award-winning 80s TV series starring Bruce Willis and Simple Shepherd. So if you're a fan of theirs, you're going to want to stay tuned as we review all 66 episodes. We hope you enjoy this journey with us because we are going to be watching the series episodes one by one and discussing them every week. Now this is going to take several years as you can imagine, so please join us because we are going to have so much fun along the way. We will also be releasing bonus episodes of interviews with creators, cast and crew to extend your listening experience. That's right. And we really want to include our Moonlighting fans in this project as much as possible. So write to us and let us know what your thoughts are. And even if you have some trivia to disclose, our email address is fans at moonlightingthepodcast.com. And we will include you in our future episodes. So stay with us. Shauna and I are beyond excited to finally bring Moonlighting into the 21st century for some serious discussions. You up for it, Shauna? I sure am. Well, let's Let's get get started. That, to me, is so Glenn in a way, you know? Yes. I mean, just the mundane, you know? No, I haven't forgotten. Appointment, 9.30 tomorrow morning. Yes, I've been brushing. David and Claire are in the background, and David has his equipment in front of him, and Claire says that there are 768 flowers on the curtains behind him. Gentlemen, there are 768 flowers in those drapes behind your head. I know, because I've counted them all. (laughs) But I hate to tell you this, Shauna. There were no flowers on the curtains behind him. Oh, really? <laughs> That's so funny. You know what? I never, <laughs> never really looked at. They never checked her. No, they're plain. No, they're plain curtains behind him. So put it this way: there was no way she could have counted the flowers on the curtains because the curtains were open, showing the plain curtains. So there's no way she could have counted 768 flowers on the curtains behind his head. <laughs> Gosh, that's so funny. No one caught that on set, huh? (laughs) No, I don't think so. And you notice it in a couple of future scenes where the curtains aren't opened as wide as they were in the first scene. So that's why you can see them better in future scenes. But in the first scene, they were open so wide that you could hardly see them. That's funny. And she, again, exits. She's always on her way out. You know, every time we see her, we don't get much time with uh, Of course, because she has to make a phone call. (laughs) I know, exactly. That's the funny thing. It's like, you know, does anyone ever notice anytime she's not around, Melissa calls? (laughs) (laughs) And in his little baggy outfit, his like off work outfit, by the way. Yes. And Maddie's wearing a pantsuit because these are the things that people wear at night in the 80s. That's right. Yes, that's her evening outfit or a casual outfit. She wears her pantsuit. Yes, exactly. Every time. Yeah, I've written here. They're walking out and Mr. Bow says that his wife is trying to make him look foolish by not ringing because he believes that she knows that he has hired someone to find her. Then the doorbell rings and Claire opens the door and it's Maddie 
she says, Mr. Bower, Claire, but then she looks at Bower and then she looks at Claire, but they were standing in the opposite place to where she was looking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so Maddie's obviously curious as to what's going on and she said she hadn't heard anything and she was in her car and suddenly she just happened to be in their neighbourhood. Kind yeah. of, I don't know. And David says, spontaneous, as they look at each other. And next thing I knew, I was in your neighborhood. Kind of, I don't know. Spontaneous. Ooh, those eyes. <laughs> chemistry alert. Chemistry alert. There just... is a huge chemistry alert. <laughs> yeah, yes. And they're just like looking at each other like they just have this like spontaneous, like angry moment back at Blue Moon. And now I think Maddie showed up because she was feeling so bad about what happened with David, she was at home driving herself nuts, kind of like um, in The Next Murder You Hear. She got in the car and she drove around and she was like, oh, what excuse can I make to like show up there and see David? I think it was all about seeing David and being like, he's my client too. You know, like I can show up there, like giving herself an excuse to show up and see David, you know, because she didn't care about the case before. No, but since what happened, she's actually in shock of what she just did. And she feels so bad and she wants to see David. I mean, don't you think? Don't you think this is the whole yes. reason why she's turning she up? She wants to see him and maybe talk about it, take the conversation a bit further because he sort of stormed out. Yeah. I mean, she definitely, she's feeling really guilty at home. I think she couldn't like stand being home. I think she got in the car, got dressed, drove around. I think it's true. I think she did drive around for a little bit and then was like, he's my client too, mm. justifying it, you know, so Maddie. In her but, own oh, mind. Yes, in her own mind. But the real reason she's there is because she wants to see David. And the moment they catch eyes, she gives him like an apologetic kind of look. Yes. And he's like trying to be mad, but can't. Yeah. The looks on both of them here is just priceless because you know what's going through their minds. Yes. And they're like flashing the little dimples at each other. <laughs> She's kind of giving him this like wanting, like, forgive me. But Maddie, this is not the first time you've punched him. Well, that's where he acts like an abused husband. He's like, yeah, well, as long as you're in the neighborhood, why don't you? You know? (laughs) It's like, oh, all right. You punch me in the face, but you can come in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no worries. You know, let's put it all behind us. You slapped me. You've punched me. You've swung a deadly object at me. Come on in, Maddie. I mean, yeah. What's the deal? But he forgives quickly, doesn't he? Because he likes it. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what I maintain. He likes it. He likes it. <laughs> he Anything likes to do with Maddie, he loves. So let's just leave it at that. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Yes. And then we get a lot of stooges. We get a lot of stooges in this episode. So yep. they're all asleep waiting for the phone call. And David is making stooges noises under his paper that's yeah. going up and down with every breath. Mm-hmm. And do you know the blooper in this scene? It's a very famous blooper, I think. The blooper? Sorry, not a blooper. A go- Well, I don't know. It's a goof. Yeah, it's a goof. Yes. What? Tell me. Well, when he's breathing up and down with the newspaper, you can see the fishing wire pulling the newspaper up. Oh, can you? Oh, no, I never noticed that. Yep. Yeah, okay. That is definitely a goof. That's you so know funny. why? Because people are looking in the wrong place. People are looking on the edge of the newspaper. You have to look in the middle of the newspaper and it's clearly fishing wire pulling up the paper. Mm. 
Oh my gosh, how funny. Okay. Mm. That's great. Hello? Where's my pants? Where's the fire escape? What? Hello? Yeah, there is a blooper scene, but you can talk about that. Yeah, it's part of season three bloopers, I guess. Bloopers part one. <laughs> yes. Okay, so part of bloopers part one, which is from the first couple seasons, they have Maddie answering not on the statue, the phone, but with an Emmy Award. So probably one of the only Emmy Awards that they won that year. And it's so funny because she goes to Bruce, is this yours? He goes, no, I didn't get one. He goes, oh, that must be Glenn's. That must be Glenn's. But it wasn't Glenn's because he's never won one. I mean, he's been nominated four times. So I think that was just a little joke between Bruce and Glenn about, oh, it must be Glenn's, but he never won an Emmy. Whose was it? Okay, so this is what I reckon. There's only two possibilities. It's either Jerry Finneman's or Neil Mandelberg's. But Jerry won his in 1978 for um, Feld, The Man and His Women. And Neil won that year in 1986 for Outstanding Editing in a Series for um, Dream Sequence. So being the most recent, if I was a betting woman, I'd say it was Neil's Emmy. Okay. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, they did a little blooper. Bruce and Sybil being funny, I guess. Kind of like when they were like, why don't we just take the (laughs) $10,000? Yeah, it seemed like something. Yeah, of course they planned it. They had to because they had to have the Emmy there and all that. They had to have the Emmy there, yeah. Because every time I watch this scene, I'm thinking, oh, damn, the Emmy's not there on the shelf. (laughs) I know, I know. That's right. I always kind of expect it to. And then it's um, a statue. Where's the fire escape? I forgot I said that. Is this is this yours? Uh, no, it couldn't didn't be. Get one no. It's probably Glenn's. And we will put that on the website. We'll put the bloopers part one. There's two different bloopers, one that aired during season three and one that aired during season five. And so we'll put bloopers part one up on the website. So easily accessible. They get the phone call. They're tracing the call. David gets the number. And then um, they can't get Bauer off the phone. You know, it's like, okay, okay, we got the number. Hang up. You know, he just keeps like talking with the dead wife. And, you know, finally, David just has to like take the phone and hang it up and be like, let's go. <laughs> and by the way, I searched the address and it's not a real address in LA. Yeah, yeah, I looked it up too. There's not a Sierra Avenue, but there's a Sierra something else road or whatever. But it's not in Los Angeles. It's further out when I looked it up. Oh, here we go. I've written it here. There's a Sierra Street in Happy Valley, wherever that is. Well, obviously, they're not going to put a real address, so you can understand that. No. But I like how when the phone finally rings, David wakes up and goes, where's my pants? Where's the fire escape? I know. So David Addison. (laughs) Like in Dream Sequence. She's not here. (laughs) David, how much are you sleeping around with married women? I've written here, what has David been up to in his spare time? Seriously. So that's a funny scene. Yeah, you're right. I love the old computer tracing system yeah. with the green the green digits. Yes. <laughs> yes. So Bauer keeps yeah. talking and they hang up his phone and rush out because he wants to keep talking on the phone, the dickhead. I know. So funny. And they're like, okay, let's go, let's go. And they finally grab him and they run out. And then we have a car scene. And what do you notice about the car scene? I notice a lot of things about this car scene. Okay. Well, the first thing I sort of noticed was that their body doubles for Bruce and Sybil. Yes. 
it just is so funny. It's so obvious that it's um, his double doesn't look like Bruce's hair at all. You know, his clear wig. I mean, the wig on Sybil's doubles better. But yes, when they have that middle shot of Bauer sitting in the back seat, clearly not Sybil or Bruce. And then they have the single shots um, when Sybil and Bruce are there. In this whole sequence of them in the car together, I think there's only one shot of Bauer. I think, no, actually, I think they do show the three of them together. And then there's a shot of Bauer and Sybil. But yeah, very few shots of like the three of them actually sitting in there in the car. Yeah, because the way I noticed it was the hair on Sybil was different and Bruce's ears were different than the guy that was driving. Yeah, ears, hair, everything. Mm. It's clear wig. Yeah. And, okay, so the guy... When they're showing Bauer, the double, the headrest is right behind the double's head. But when they show Bruce, his head is way above the headrest. Like, you know, the height. (laughs) So he's taller than the body double. (laughs) Yes. So Uh, clearly. That's so funny. You know, they just don't match at all. What else do you notice? Um, Let's see. The other thing I wasn't sure of, but when they show Sybil talking, I wasn't sure if that was really Bauer in the back seat. Okay. Because I don't really show him. Yeah, um, probably not. Did you notice there are two shots of Bruce and he kind of breaks the fourth wall. He looks at us and he kind of cocks his head a little bit. And you can see lights and crew, by the way, in the reflection of his sunglasses. But there's two shots where he does that. It, they're the same shots. They've reused the shot. He looks at the camera. So he's breaking the fourth wall and he cocks his head a little bit. And then they go back to Bauer talking and Sybil talking and, you know, whatever. They show David again. It's the exact same shot. He looks at the camera and he cocks his head. They've just reused the shot. Stop it. They've just reused. Look at it. I mean, I am 99. I'm going in now. I'm actually going in now to have a look. Do you see the height difference on the headrest? With the double and... Okay, I'm in the car. The headrest is low. Oh, God, I didn't notice that. So different, right? It doesn't even look like the same car. I know. <laughs> that's true. I don't think it is. You reckon that's the same cut? Let's just set up slightly, cox it to the side. It's the same cut. Yeah, it's the same cut. You're right. Oh, my God, never noticed. Never crazy? noticed. The headrest is yeah. completely different you sort of wonder if it is the same car yeah i don't think it is now that we looked a little closer yeah or or that um the doubles look super short yeah you know or they just needed to adjust it all so they could get a straight on shot of bauer probably Mm -hmm. yeah they had to adjust heights to get bauer in the middle with like also seeing maddie and david in there good pickup shauna as usual thank you i try um all right well they now pull into the but before that, what Bauer thinks she's going to kill him. I mean, I killed her. Now she's going to kill me, which is fine because I sort of deserve it, don't I? Now, Maddie thinks that he should stay in the car for a while while they talk to his wife. And Bauer says, I wonder how she's going to do it. Do either of you have a comb I can borrow? What? I know. I don't get that either. What does the hell he, does that mean? Maybe, maybe he wants to look good for his wife. Or maybe he wants to look good for his death. Oh, excellent. That's that's really morbid, Shauna. That's great. I love that. Well, he's getting ready. He's getting ready to die. So, yeah, they park the car and Bauer notices 
because there's a big, like a big sort of four-wheel drive or something in front of Miss Melissa's car. So when they park, it's very well done, actually. The four-wheel drive backs out and reveals Melissa's car behind it, and mm-hmm. he notices that the car's there. So they get out of the car in their casual gear, you know, Maddie and Dave are in their cash. She's looking gorgeous in her pink pantsuit. With no bra. What? No bra. Oh, my God. And this outfit is like the outfit that David wore all through season five. (laughs) By the way. Oh, is it? Isn't it? Well, I mean, he just wore something like that all through season five because he stopped wearing ties. You know, Bruce didn't want to wear ties anymore, so he wore this like baggy. Yeah. He still looks like season five there. But yeah, look at Sybil. She's got no bra on. And, you know, when they're running back to the car, she like holds her chest in because she her uh, boobs are like swinging. Let me see. When they're walking up there, you can see her boobs like swinging all over the place. <laughs> I have to oh say it. <laughs> Can't you? Oh, Sybil. Bruce and Sybil, they, you know, they didn't have themselves all um, wrapped in some of the time, you know? Mm, yes, I know. Well, at least she hasn't got her baggy pants on like in previous episodes. She asked what they're going to say to this woman, how she going to react. And David goes, Mm -hmm. David, what do we say to this woman? I mean, how do you think she'll react to his being here? Look, all he did was try to bury her alive. You think she's going to hold a grudge? (laughs) (laughs) And then you get the Maddie sigh. Love it. Yes. They walk up to room four, but how did they know her room number? Was the car parked outside of it? I don't know. Good question. And did you notice when they're walking across, when he says, you think she's going to hold a grudge, in the background there's a pink item. I don't know whether it's a little pink wall or they've put something pink in the background, Shauna. Mm. Do you believe that they did that? They've actually put something pink in the far distance as they're walking past. Why do they do that? I'm just saying, she's wearing pink and they're doing everything colour coordinated. Hmm, okay. You have a look. Yeah, I see something pink back there. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but yes, Mm. I see it. Yeah, I think they've put that there. Okay, I like it. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting motel too, where this is, the colours, yellow doors. and It looks like something on the lot, I reckon. Maybe, yeah, it could be universal. Yeah, like when you go and see the, um, the Bates Motel, that's still there. Yeah. And the chase is on, Grace. <laughs> That's funny. It's what I typed here. <laughs> really? I've typed yep. here. They run back to the car and the chase is on. Yep, sure is. So it looks like no one's driving until the person's head pops up. I've put here clearly with a wig on. Now we have the chase up and down the country road until they finally catch up to her, but they're too late. Her car goes over the cliff and bursts into flames. Abrupt end scene, I've written here. Yes, yeah, sure is. And now one thing I want to say about that, David says a line that comes up a few more times from now till the end of the series. He says, I'm going 85 miles an hour for the love of Mike. So that term for the love of Mike, he says that more times to come. Yep. The car explodes in a fiery crash and it's time for another commercial. Thank you for supporting us, Moonlighting fans. We hope you are enjoying our episodes, and if you feel so inclined, Shauna and I would be very appreciative if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts so that we know we're on track with our content and continue to provide you with a great experience. There were lots of doubles in the cars and all of that, yes. And now we are back at Blue Moon. And she's wearing her beautiful green outfit. Yes, another outfit change. It's number three, only number three. 
again, Maddie, oh, Sybil, sorry, but she does some really bad letter opening acting when yeah. she purposely yeah. drops the check on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everything is a big movement and that check goes flying. Yes, I agree. <laughs> so funny. So she gets on the floor yeah. to find the check and Wolf whistles just in time for David to walk in and say, I thought exactly. You praying? Lose something? Why don't you finally come to your senses? <laughs> and real quick, before we move on from that, uh, they do a close-up of the check. Yep. The check is dated 7-25-86, but this episode aired a couple months later, September, I think, right? Didn't you say that's when it aired? September. It's September, yep. So the check is dated 7-25-86, so it's July. Yeah. Okay. That's okay. Um, uh, it's fine. Yeah. Just a difference in date from where we are in like real life. And the check was made out for $10,000, Grace. <laughs> Again, they didn't <laughs> explain what their fees were. She said three times the negotiated amount. So he was just going to pay him 3500 or something. I don't know. I guess that's a lot. It just doesn't seem like a lot to, yeah. The fees are always all over the place is my point. <laughs> James Bauer did say on the check, Mr. and Mrs. James Bauer. So, yeah. And that's another thing, checks. I mean, not too many people use checks these days, you know, a lot of little dinosaurs. And And um, not only that, Mr. Bauer posted the check. Yeah, true. (laughs) (laughs) So funny. Yeah, that's kind of a big, um, you know, when he says, um, where'd you finally come to your senses? And I told you before what I read in that other article where Glenn said to Sybil, I like the idea. (laughs) <laughs> are you listening to me yeah um something about like i like the the allusion to like anal sex or something like that yeah. he said yeah yeah. Um, yeah he said something like from behind or something yeah or taking you from behind or yeah taking you from behind that's what he said yeah i'm just imagining with all the me too's today some of that would fly today but you know sybil was a very body type of girl as we saw like she was probably initiating a lot of that conversation yeah, probably. She's a cheeky girl. Yes, very. David goes into a panic because he, you know, is afraid that Bauer was going to prorate the fee because the wife died five minutes after they found her. Right. And Agnes walks in in a timely manner and says, Mr. Bauer is here to see them. But that's when David goes into a panic and wants to hide the check. <laughs> and he finds a great spot to hide it. I know, right on the dress. <laughs> makes Maddie look up and he puts it down her cleavage. I love it. I know, I know. So funny. Bauer walks in and apologizes for bursting in without an appointment, but Maddie has no problem with that. Spontaneity is our middle name. And she mm-hmm. moves the chair around for him to sit down, but David kicks the chair away. With I love that. <laughs> yeah, I love all that. Because yeah. David says, With building problems, we'd like you to make an appointment. And as it stands now, we don't really have any free time until, uh, what'd you say, Mr. Pesto, 1999? 1999. <laughs> <laughs> then Mr. Yeah. Pesto tries to come in saying, did you call me Mr. Addison? And he pushes her out again. So there's two door slams there. We have penciled you in for around the turn of the century. But Mr. Bauer, he's very calm, isn't he? He's a very yeah. calm fellow, considering he just murdered somebody. Yeah. When he's hitting his wife, he's very calm but this isn't about money, isn't it? And then he goes, get this. And then he realizes that Maddie's right behind him and he's yelling, get this, <laughs> yeah, man, I love that. Get this man a chair. Yeah, it's all great. It's all great. I love this scene. It's so uh, funny. We have you penciled in for the turn of the century. But this isn't about money. It isn't? No. Get this man a 
Get this man a chair. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of that um, slapstick. It's good. Good stuff. I don't understand why he's come back to Blue Moon. It's a bit weird. So Bauer sits down and says that he just came back from the funeral and he left early and that he had no business being there. doesn't matter what the evidence shows. He knows that he killed her. He was there. She had no pulse. He carried her into the woods and buried her with his own hands. But Maddie and David say, how could she die twice? And this is where I think her southern twang comes out a little bit here too. When she says, why would anybody want to do that? <laughs> yeah, I think I heard it too. Yeah. Mm. But Manny and David say, how could she die twice? If he had killed his wife, for those dental records to match up, someone would have to dig up her body and hide it somewhere and make her go off the cliff to die a second time. And yeah. That's when she says, why would anyone do that? <laughs> and um, did I do that right, Shauna? <laughs> <laughs> But, Mr. Bauer, what you're saying it doesn't make sense. How could your wife die twice? If you had killed your wife, in order for those dental records to match up, someone would have to dig the body up and hide it somewhere. Lure us to that cliff to see her die a second time in that crash. Why? Why would anybody want to do that? But David's right. The only one with the motive is you. The only one that comes out ahead if your wife wasn't dead at that cabin mm-hmm. is you, but yeah. you're sitting here confessing anyway. Yeah. So why don't you let us take you home? So Bauer goes, huh? so I, I don't understand. Yeah. This. Huh? Can you explain it to me, Shauna? About why he says home? Well, two things. Why he went to Blue Moon, okay. then he goes, oh, home? As if he just remembered he has to go home? I don't get it. Well, when he says home, I think he's thinking like, what is home anymore? You know, it's like Melissa's gone. My marriage is over. I'm a murderer. Nothing feels like home anymore because like a dead person keeps calling me. And I think he's just in shock and, you know, going a bit crazy. And he just came from home because when they take him home, the funeral's going on. So maybe he didn't want to be there. That's why he left. Maybe he found a reason to get out of there because he couldn't take it. Very um, good, Shauna. Thank you. You clarified it for me. Yeah. So they do take him home. They arrive at Bowers home and they open the door and Claire's got her back to the door and she turns around and welcomes them. And She welcomes them in the right way too because she looks the right way to welcome each person because you know how she says, Miss Hayes, Mr. Addison. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. She looks in the right direction of where they're standing because when the cut shows from the other side, they're standing where they should be. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. So they go into the study and Claire is trying to console him. I lost her too. 
He's saying he killed her. She doesn't react to this comment. Maddie says, we all saw the accident. And David says, Tough break, bucko. You're innocent. <laughs> it's funny because when you're watching this scene for the first time, it's it's very well written. You don't actually realise that Claire has not reacted to what he said. It's not and what? Tell say that again. Because when he says, you know, I killed her and she should have reacted saying, wait a minute, what are you talking about? Did you kill my sister? But she yes. doesn't do that. Yes, exactly. But it's so well written that I remember watching it for the first time and it yeah. didn't click to me that she didn't react when she should have. True. Yeah, that's her That's her fatal mistake right there. So she's consoling him. Um, this isn't your fault, Jim. Pull yourself together. There are a lot of people out there and... Then she goes, while you may not think they deserve your sympathies, I think they deserve yours. Yeah. I don't get that. While you may think that you don't deserve their sympathies, they deserve yours. I don't know. Why would they deserve his sympathy? Because, oh, because they lost someone too. Oh, okay. Yep. Gotcha. You're seeing things much more clearer for me in this episode, Shauna. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not getting a lot of things. It's a little bit spontaneous, Grace. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I don't do spontaneous, Shauna. Just call me Maddie. Okay. And I'll be All David. Right. Okay. But anyway, this whole last scene is just to bring to light that Claire used to date Bauer. They dated before. He knew Melissa. He came to pick up Claire one night. He saw Melissa at the top of the stairs. He fell in love with her. Claire's sadly single and Melissa and James have been together ever since. And now when she drove up that night and saw that he was burying her sister, she thought, he's a good man. I'm sure it was an accident. And now's my chance to have him. Right? Correct. Thank you. Because looks like Melissa stole him from her when mm -hmm. he came to pick up Claire. Exactly. So yeah. who's sicker here, Claire or James? <laughs> who's the sicker one, you know? Because even to the point where she dug up her own sister's dead body, oh, kept God. the body, oh, put the body in a car just so she can be with this guy that killed her sister because she used to date him before and was still in love with him or something. So, yeah, I'd say Claire is, takes the cake on this one. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> She's a nut job. I wasn't thinking about my sister at all. I wasn't thinking about much of anything except digging her up and convincing you that she was still alive so that you could go on and so that maybe we could. The fact yeah. is Melissa called her and she's gone up there. She was too late. He'd already killed her, but she's watching him bury her. Yeah. She's watching Shauna. Oh, I know. And then she goes and digs up the body and takes it herself. And then she concocts a plan that he won't go to jail so she can be with him, even though he killed her sister. So she's nutty. She's wackier than he is. And he gets real wacky at the end here when he's like, But it's okay. Because now I know I'm not crazy. So Yeah, they're pretty kooky. They are. It's all in the family. Yep. <laughs> Mr. Bowers says that was 16 years ago when they first met. I don't know how in the hell I'm going to tell her. So this is when Maddie and David realize that he hasn't actually told Claire yet what happened at the cabin, but she seemed to already know because of their previous conversations. So Maddie says, you mean she doesn't know? No. Know what? I never told her. 
And we never told her. And then you get the Stooges sound. <laughs> yeah, okay. You think that's Stooges? I wrote that that might be like Twilight Zone or something. I don't know. It might be Stooges, but I thought it might be more like Twilight Zone. Like, But Twilight Zone's kind of like do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Yeah, I thought, it? Nah, I thought it was more of a... Okay, more Stooges. Stooges right. sound, yeah. yeah. Okay, if anyone knows where that comes from, I come from, come from somewhere else that we are not aware of. So, yeah. If anyone knows where that sound is from, Stooges or otherwise, please let us know. Maddie explains that she should have been shocked, at least angry, by what Bauer said. And they both realized that she was the one who dug up the body and hid it somewhere and then lured it to the cliff so we could see her die a second time. But Bauer's like, wait a second, wait a second. That's David dialogue. Yeah. We all saw that crash. And Maddie goes, no, we saw a woman drive around a bend out of sight. Then we saw a car at the bottom of a cliff. I'm thinking to myself, how the hell did she orchestrate this crash? It's pretty amazing. She did a pretty good job to get this guy. Yeah, exactly. To get this guy, this murderer. Crazy. But then Bauer says, hold it. What about the phone calls? I know my wife's voice. I know what she sounds like. Yeah. And just like that, the door opens and Claire says, You weren't going to leave me out there, were you? <laughs> you can now go to coffee.com slash moonlighting the podcast. That's ko-fi.com slash moonlighting the podcast and buy yourself a door slam. Yes, that's right, a door slam. Some devoted Moonlighting fans have contacted us since we began this project to find out how they can support us. As you are well aware, Shauna and I do this with great joy and we have so much fun creating this podcast every week and interacting with you guys on social media and via our fans at moonlightingthepodcast.com email. So we would be ever so grateful for any small donation that you can make. Maddie would be proud. And he says he never noticed it before that she sounds just like Melissa. Which she really doesn't. Right. So now they all confront her about everything and she says she's done nothing wrong. And now there's abundant evidence that Jim has done nothing wrong as well. So she's made sure of that. And then there's overlapping dialogue where David says that she was trying to drive him crazy and Maddie says that she was obstructing justice. And now there's abundant evidence that Jim's done nothing wrong. I didn't do it. I didn't do anything to him. I did it for him. <laughs> so then Claire begins to explain what actually happened that night. <laughs> After he spoke to Melissa, Melissa rang her sister. So she came up to the cabin and saw everything. She wanted to convince him that she was still alive so that he could go on. And maybe we could end sentence. She says she didn't plan it and it just sort of happened. Yeah, right. One thing after another. And... Spontaneous. <laughs> and then Maddie goes spontaneously. It just sort of happened. One thing after another. Suddenly. Spontaneously. <laughs> but then Bauer chuckles. Exactly. Yeah, and then David goes, why the grin? You're jumping out of the fry pan into the deep freeze. But it's okay because now I know that I'm not crazy. Oh, my God. Give me a break, Shauna. Oh, I know. Yeah. It gets real kooky. So they begin to walk out and the mourners are talking to him as they walk out. It's a good scene how the camera's going backwards and they're just walking towards the camera. But then one of them says, yeah. I just heard that it might have been murder. That isn't so, is it? I mean, it couldn't have been murder. Never say mm -hmm. never. Mm. And all this is to the sound of police sirens. So did they call the police or mm -hmm. did they leave things be? What did they do, Shauna? Oh, I think he was going to jail. 
I think the police were called. Oh, that's good. That makes me feel better. Yeah. And it looks like Sybil and Bruce were there for all of these scenes, by the way. You know? Yeah, there's a lot of, um, yeah, joint shots and wide shots and... Walking in and walking out. I think it was them. I don't see any doubles. Yeah. I'm sure this was filmed in Hancock Park. This is a very Hancock Park house in L.A. Anything else to say about uh, that part, you know, before we get to the juicy stuff? <laughs> <laughs> Anything else to say about... Oh, one of the mourners' real name was John Bauer. How funny. <laughs> James Bauer, John And Bauer. before we go any further, can I just quickly talk about Stephen Godwin? Stephen Godwin was mainly known for Remington Steel, what a surprise, in 1983. 1985, he was in North and South Book One. 87, he was in the CBS Summer Playhouse, and 2001, he was in The Fugitive. So he did mainly um, some TV shows. So that was um, Stephen Godwin. With um, Patricia Duff, who played Melissa, she was mainly known for DC Cab in 83, and then Fatal Vision in 84, and then in 86, she did About Last Night and Moonlighting. Mm, Fatal Vision, that's a good murder mystery if you don't know the story okay no i don't no she did two episodes of that okay uh yeah i'll tell you about it later about last night that's with demi moore demi moore and rob lowe great movie oh yeah you're right i didn't click with that another six degree of moonlighting six degrees of bruce yeah that was she played leslie in about last night oh okay anybody wants to check that out that's patricia duff great you can take this one away shauna all right Okay, so uh, we presume that it's the next morning at Blue Moon. David, well, I mean, gosh, David and Maddie are both there very early, and David's yawning. He's in the elevator, and you hear Maddie say, Hold that elevator, please. And she gets in, and she's holding a big gift, and she and David are talking. So what'd you get me? Wedding present from McGillicuddy. Our McGillicuddy? Old love him and marry him, McGillicuddy? Mr. Spontaneous? That bastard, why'd you get him anything? You're just going to complicate divorce proceedings. <laughs> I love that old love him and marry him. <laughs> yeah, what a bastard, right? I mean, what's she really mad about, you know, that he, that he got married? I mean, whatever, Maddie. Yeah, that's so pretty good. Fun. And I can't believe here that she's admitting that she may have been wrong, Shauna. I may have been wrong. I know. She really was admitting that she may have been wrong. The outfits, let me comment. I think it's the dress from Portrait that um, she also wore in the uh, the cold open of episode one when they're at the desk. She's wearing that same dress. I guess she liked that dress. And I think he's wearing the same tie that he wore in... <laughs> Can you believe... Oh, how do I notice these things? Um, <laughs> I believe that he's wearing the same tie as Sleep Talking Guy when he is in his office. And I remember when I had to check the tie to see if it was the same tie that he wore in Sam and Dave. Yes, that's right. When you disrupted the episode and said, oh, by the way. <laughs> it's not the same tie. It's not but, the same tie, Grace. <laughs> yeah. But their outfits are very coordinated here, you know, like kind of blue-gray, and he's wearing an eggplant-colored tie. And, yeah, they both look very beautiful. But, yeah, she was really liking this dress. It was kind of like in season two. She wore that white striped dress quite a bit in season two or the brown with the pink you know, the brown outfit with the pink blouse or something. She wore that quite a bit. Now she loves this um, blue dress. Yeah, I think it's gorgeous. Really, it's beautiful. Mm. Yes. But yeah, Maddie may have been wrong. She may have learned something in this episode. 
Maddie goes, I may have been wrong. And David looks at the camera and flicks his ear and says, I'm sorry, the battery on my hearing aid's a little on the fritz. You want to run that by me with a shot more conviction? <laughs> yep. Now that's the second time he broke the fourth wall. Mm. Well, third, because they use that clip twice. And notice anything, a little goof when he's opening the door <laughs> to Blue Moon? Yes, that's another thing I've written here. He yeah. doesn't put the key in the lock. Exactly. Yes, the key doesn't go in the lock. He doesn't really unlock the door. I do like seeing them walk down the hallway together and all of that. So uh, tell me. So tell me, this change of attitude, was it something you had to work long and hard at or was it spontaneous? spontaneous? That's one of my favorite things about you. Tell me. Your relentless unpleasantness. <laughs> well, some got it, some don't. And he <laughs> fake opens the door. Yeah. She says miracle of miracles again, like she does in um, Next Stop Murder. Oh, miracle of miracles. How funny. Mm. And they enter a dark office and you don't turn on the lights and they're all in shadow. And why, Grace? Why do they have to be all in shadow? Why do they have to kiss us, Grace? They want to taunt us. That's why. It's really annoying. And Maddie has a hand up over one of the kisses as well. Yes. Who do you think gave the best kiss? Um, David. Really? I think Maddie. But how he like tilts his head to the other side and kind of, he really takes his time. Yep. Maddie's is good too. They're both good, but what's with putting her bloody hand up? What's, what's that about? Do you think it was to add to the, like, a, like that's a fantasy. It, yeah, it's maybe. all in shadows. It's all kind of hidden. It's all kind of like, mm. I'm going to lighten that. <laughs> <laughs> I like how he like grabs her face and okay, listen to this. Okay. When Bruce comes up, he grabs her face and he's kissing her and he moves his lips. You know, he changes the position of his head and he's kissing her. And I, you see Maddie's uh, Sybil's hand kind of react at a certain point. I don't know. It just feels like there's a charge there. Did she, something I didn't look for, but did she grab him around the neck like she does with hugs? Hmm. Let's check. <laughs> She's going to have a look now. It, you know, it's so dark you can't see. Oh, I'm wondering about. Okay, you know what Sybil does? Oh, she might do it here, but you can't see. Sybil loves to take the back of Bruce's hair and pull his head back, right? Like she did yes. that dream sequence. Dream sequence, yep. Yeah, and she does it coming in the future here. So, yeah, I'm wondering if she does the same thing here because, yeah, he kind of lifts his head up. I mean, she kind of gets on her tiptoes. So she's really like looking at him eye to eye. And she puts her hands on either side of his head and he kind of lifts up his head. Let me see where her hands go after that. No, she does. She wraps her hands around. Yeah, I thought she might have. Then her hand comes back up on the side of his head and it covers their faces. So annoying. Where's her other? Yeah, her hand might be on his neck. You're right. Could be. I can almost see it. But it's just so shadowy. It's just so hard to see it. Why do they have to do that to it? <laughs> I suppose, you know, it is a dream sequence. Yeah. I think I remember seeing it for the first time and being like, oh, my God, they're kissing. Do you mm. think they were like, we owe them, the audience needs a kiss. You know, we yeah. got to throw in a kiss. But they're always teasing us and taunting us. But, of course, you know, it's not going to be real. This early in the season, let's give them a kiss. But it's not going to be yeah, real. because that would have been talked about a lot, I'm assuming, that back then, that they wanted more kisses. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, and Bruce licking his lips and licking Sybil up and down. And it's all very sexy. It's mm-hmm. all so, like, 
just do it already, you know. Yeah. And I like the part where he says, she goes, yeah, I'll keep that in mind. And he says, yeah, well, you do that. And yeah. the way he looks at her, it's like he seriously uh, wants to jump her right there. I'll keep that in mind. Uh, it's like whoa yeah both of their looks are like steamy 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 they're really good and they just keep eyeing each other and it's just how great is it like at least we know that they're both thinking the same thing i mean maddie wants to jump him and he wants to jump her and you know it's really heating up when she goes to kiss him i like the way she goes yeah and she drops her bag on the ground it's so good yeah she throws her purse and her briefcase i think throws both of them like different directions and but you know what I take notice of all the time I know uh, this is a kissing scene and I should be focused on the kissing but I keep noticing how the present keeps moving on the yeah. on, on Agnes's um podium uh, that's funny <laughs> yeah well, we gotta notice those things too you know um, Bruce's hands always go up into her hair too he did that in dream sequence yeah, like, I love that I love that and he kind of puts his hand up on her back and it's all very hot it's all very sexy i'd love that we get more kisses of course don't like that they're in the shadows but i understand why and don't like that they're not real (laughs) yeah i know Uh, but at least we can watch them kiss and you know yeah absolutely and take take what we want out of it ourselves you know yeah our own little dream sequence yes and I think Sybil's holding back a real laugh there at the end too. I think, well, Sybil says that she always laughed when they kissed. I think uh, that's an atomic. She says, I always laughed when you kissed me. Look at Sybil, you know, towards the end when they're just before the kids come home, the Wobblies. Sybil's holding back a laugh. Right before he licks his lips and looks her up and down, she's like laughing. <laughs> I love it. How great. What a wonderful little episode, Grace. Another kind of convoluted, but... Good storyline, definitely. They're very interesting. Yeah, it's a great plot. It yeah. really was. Yeah, really good episode. Yeah, so the moonlighting music begins and she grabs the present off the counter and they walk to their respective offices and in the background you can hear the wobblies coming down the corridor and Agnes opens the door and turns the light on. Yeah. It would have been nice to see McGillicuddy walk in, but he doesn't. It would have been yeah. nice for him to walk in. mm not knowing that he was about to receive a wedding present from Maddie. Mm, true. Yeah, it was. I like this episode. It was a great episode. It had a bit of everything car chase in the country, Maddie and David overlapping dialogue, some wonderful guest stars, including Ali Mills, who went on to do The Wonder Years. Maddie puts her foot down, stands her ground, and digs her heels in. Yep. Fantastic choices of music, interesting references. Um, Maddie's anger rears its ugly head again. Some nice lighting in silhouette, the old answering machine, some great stunts, and Maddie coming to some realizations. Again, David gets his way by taking the case. A show based all around one word, not murder, but spontaneity. Spontaneity is right. A lot of spontaneous action taking place in that episode. (laughs) Richard Tyson is um, Daniel. Yes. He was born in Alabama, but eventually pursued his love of acting and moved to Hollywood and landing one of his first roles on the TV hit show Moonlighting. And then Richard's career took off from there and hasn't shown any sign of slowing down since. He's best known for his roles as Buddy Ravel in Three O'Clock High, 
He was Cullen Crisp in Kindergarten Cop, opposite Arnold Schwarzenegger, and Perry in Two Moon Junction. He also starred in his own television series called Hardball, which ran for a year in 1989. Mm. Um, He's also appeared in various other TV shows throughout his career, including his most recent appearance in CSI New York. So he went on to bigger and better things too, little Daniel, six-foot Daniel. Wow, yeah. Mm. So this episode we had five door slams. I had four outfit changes. Is that correct? Four is correct, yes. So she had the white dress in the intro. I can't yeah. read my own writing. Puts jacket on for cabin, but it's the same dress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, pink pants suit when uh, Melissa calls and then a green dress when she's on the floor and grey dress at the end. So there was four outfit changes. We had a singing Bruce. The music featured was dedicated to the one I love by the Shirelles. And Bruce singing It's Your Thing by the Isley Brothers. All right, so the accumulated stats so far for Moonlighting. We have singing Bruce's, we have eight. Feet out of the elevator, we have 14. Agnes Rhymes, so far, 18. And the door slams, Shauna. I won't ask for your drum roll. (laughs) The tally so far for door slams up to the man who cried wife is 98. Wow. (laughs) Almost 100 door slams. We're almost there. I think um, by the next episode we'll get 100 door slams, so that's fantastic. Absolutely. And also in the last episode you asked me whether Agnes had her feet out of the elevator before, and the answer is yes. Okay. Because... We have Agnes's feet coming out of the elevator in Money Talks, Maddie Walks. Okay. Excellent. It's now time for Moonlight Mail. Love the podcast. Hello, Shauna and Grace. I remember seeing Moonlighting as a kid and always wanted to revisit the show. Now that I've discovered your podcast, it has motivated me to watch the episodes. Thanks for posting them on YouTube and then listen to the podcast immediately afterward. I've only gone through the pilot and gunfight at the Soso Corral so far, but I did want to write because I had an answer for a question that Grace posed about Soso Corral, and she specifically asked for help from fans to answer. Yes, we do that. The song that is playing when David is waiting in the car for Maddie to return from having dinner with Farley Rye, and then he plays it again when Maddie starts to yell, is She Advertises by John Hunter. The individual song is not available on YouTube, but the entire album can be found here. She Advertises starts at the 706 mark, so he... Um, gives us the link to the album. Thank you. Uh, My apologies if other fans have already answered this question for you, but I was hoping to help. Uh, Who knows? Maybe I can answer some more questions in the future. Keep up the good work with the podcast. I'm looking forward to watching along with you both. Take care, Mike. Thank you, Mike. And yes, I think we had gotten the answer to that question along the way, but always good to be reminded or maybe someone didn't hear the answer before. Yes, that's right. Thank you very much for that. Because people do tend to listen to the podcast out of order because they might go straight to their favorite episode. So that's great. Thanks for that. Yep. Very good. And we also received an interesting email from Amy. But before I start reading it, I just want to apologize to Amy because she sent this um, late last year. So uh, we're way behind in reading out the emails, but I promise we will get to you all. Hi, Grace and Shauna. Still enjoying the weekly podcast. I'm really excited to get to next week's The First Kiss on Witness. 
I have an idea about when David is listening to the Rolling Stones and he's going to Mr. Everett's nursing home. I think you're right about how he is turning the music off and on because he's in debate as to what to do. But I noticed because I have this song on my playlist and I like it, that they turn it off right when it says Jesus Christ. And I'm wondering if back then, if they could Mm. say that on television or not. True. Good point. Yeah, you're probably right. I suppose it had to cut off somewhere, but yeah, I didn't take note of the lyrics that that was the next next words. So hmm. thank you, Amy, for that. It's very interesting. So Grace, is this in your top 10? No, this is not in my top 10. And as I said last week, I don't have a top 10 for quite a while. (laughs) But doesn't mean it's a bad episode, Shauna. It's a great episode, great plot. And thank you, Kerry Erin, for writing a great script. But no, it's not in my top 10. Is it in your top 10? It is not. Again, yeah, I feel the same as you. Good episode. Lots of twists and turns. I do like the case. I like the kisses. I like the cases and I like the kisses. (laughs) (laughs) But it's not in my top 10. Nope. All right. It's funny because It's Your Thing, the Isley Brothers song, is a funk single, Shauna. Hmm, It's like David's funk video. Yeah. It was released in 1969. Uh, The anthem was an artistic response to Motown chief Barry Gordy's demanding hold on his artists after the Isley Brothers left the label in late 1968. So that's interesting, isn't it? Yes, very. So the song is ranked number 420 on the Rolling Stone magazine's list of the 500 greatest songs of all time. Wow. That's a great song. So what episode are we going to be talking about next week? Next week, we have Season 3, Episode 3, Symphony and Knocked Flat. Flat in many ways, especially Maddie's hair. (laughs) Yeah, it does go flat at a certain point, doesn't it, in that episode? (laughs) And we have some amazing guest stars in this episode. Oh, yeah. Can't wait to discuss that with you, Grace. Looking forward to it. Well, until next time. I'm Grace. And I'm Shauna. Thank Thank you you for for listening listening to to Moonlighting the Podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.